are live! Hey! Hi, everyone, and welcome again for another episode of the Puppet Podcast. I'm Caroline Bernier-Dion, Caro BD, <laughs> and I'm the host of this podcast. The purpose of it is to promote puppetry art and make connection in this kind of strange time that we are at between puppeteers from all over. So you will see it's kind of a buzzy time right now. I will have like next week people also from from Singapore, from Amsterdam, from Montreal, but also from France and from from all over. I'm kind of really excited about how it grows. And also we just launched our Patreon account. So if you want to support the fact that we do that, just go and have a look and to support us, it would be amazing. So tonight we go to New York area, and uh, it's it's the co-owner, uh, no co-owner, sorry, co-artistic director of Wonder Spark Puppets, and it's the wonderful Zebring. <laughs> hello, uh, hello, bonjour, <laughs> bonjour Z. I'm amazed that you are there, and we will exchange about our passion. Yes, I, I'm so excited to be here and to be speaking with you. I remember uh, meeting you in Boston when you had just arrived the very first day. Yeah, yeah, I was so shy and arriving into a new environment. And But I, I saw your show and I'm so happy that I get the chance to see your work. And also uh, when I, I met Chad last week and we decided to do like two to interview because you both have a, an amazing career into puppetry and I'm I'm so glad that you, I get the chance to have you on the follow spot too. Oh, thank you so much. Well, it's a pleasure. Yay. And and I want to like just put you in in the for the one who watch us like to see where you're from and also like you study in Connecticut. So could you introduce like your way through puppetry for us? Sure. So um, I am originally from Western New York, um, a tiny little village. Uh, it's somewhere in between Rochester and Buffalo, New York. And uh, I always liked puppets my whole life, but it never really occurred to me that that was something that I could do as an adult. I just, I just always knew I liked puppets. Um, and then when I was about 17, it was around 1996 um we got the internet which was a big deal back then uh and i started um looking up and connecting with people who were into some of the same things that i was really excited by that no one in my hometown really liked um you know like cartoons that i thought were really cool japanese animation i mean i was kind of like a geeky geek and um but i loved all that stuff and one of the things was the muppets and jim henson and that route and as i was looking up pictures and information about the Muppets, I suddenly became very aware after looking at these pictures backstage that of something I never even thought of before. And that is that uh, the people who are performing those puppets are adults. And yeah. not only are they adults, but this was their job. They got paid. And my parents really wanted me to um, choose a career, something that I could, you know, go forth and, you know, prosper in and they wanted me to go to college. 
They really wanted me to go to college. I was going to be the first kid to go to college in the family uh, on that side. And so, oh, big deal. And so I, um, I, I, I found out information about the University of Connecticut. I marched into the living room and I said, I figured it out. I'm going to be a puppeteer and I'm going to go to the University of Connecticut. And they said, absolutely not. <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely not. I mean, well, I, you know, I was kind of a difficult teenager and also, um, they'd never heard me talk about puppets or puppetry before that. I had done some volunteer work with the Genesee Orleans Youth Bureau, uh, doing, um, these kinds of puppets, if I say church puppets, a lot of people know what I'm talking about, like these flip top head puppets with a track about like, um, drug resistance and stuff. Um, and it was through the youth bureau and we would tour around to these different playgrounds and things. So I had done that for a summer and enjoyed it because I learned more about puppetry, but I'd never said to my parents, oh, I'm going to be a puppeteer. <laughs> but, I, but I'd always liked theater. I'd wanted to be in every single theater production I could possibly be in. And uh, even though they said no, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep that in there and I'll, I'll figure something out. So I ended up going to SUNY Fredonia, which is a state school, State University of New York, Fredonia. And I majored in media arts with a focus in theater. And what that was at the time was um, basically taking computers and then uh, with the focus in theater and using computers to create new ways of storytelling in a theatrical way. Wow. And that was just at the beginning of using projections in live theater and um, like how to storytell using a website. Like, could a website be theatrical and what would that be? So stuff like that. Whoa. So I studied that for four years. And then the summer before my senior year at Fredonia, I had this magical day where it was like a light shining down from above where all of these things happened that said, don't you remember? you were supposed to be a puppeteer. And uh, it was like, it was just so, so many little things all at once. I found out that there was a puppet company down the road that somebody I had uh, heard of um, who had gone on from SUNY Fredonia to intern with them and then became a costumer on the Lion King touring um, that you could get a degree in anything and then go to UConn that somebody knew somebody. Um, and then that night I ended up watching this arty film. My friend had just gotten a DVD player. Those were brand new back then. Um, and we watched Being John Malkovich, which I'd never heard of before, but it was, you know, filled with puppets and had an amazing special with Philip Huber at the end. And the whole time I, that evening, I was like, you guys don't understand. Like, this is a message for me. Like, I'm supposed to go to puppet school. So the next day I got an application. I started basically stalking the University of Connecticut puppet <laughs> arts program any way I could. I went up and visited a couple times. I auditioned and I just pleaded and I said, please, please let me in. I, I don't know anything about puppetry, but I promise you that if you let me in, I will make you so proud. I will be a little sponge and I will absorb all of the information and then I will do puppets for the rest of my life. And so I've done that. I've maintained a career in puppetry since 2004. I was at UConn for three years and I've done a lot of things since. Yay, that's so amazing. It's kind of those moments. I like to talk about crush. I think you 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 name your moment of the crush for puppetry. And yes, that's amazing. It's amazed me. I'm just like, 
yeah, it's a moment in a lifetime and you, you feel the crush. And yes. yeah, could you uh, explain why, like what makes the art of puppetry for you an art that you cherish? Mm. That's the main big question. <laughs> Well, I always loved storytelling and I always yeah. loved theater. Um, I, I found puppetry to be this amazing space between animation and at the actor's theater where it was creating this imaginative space that, that couldn't exist in any other way except yeah. for the puppets and the puppeteer. And The thing that really drew me in from the beginning in terms of live puppetry was a Punch and Judy show that I would watch at a reenactment village that was close to where I grew up called the Genesee Country Museum. Mm -hmm. And they would have a Punch and Judy man come once a year for their historical um, harvest festival. And he would perform maybe about five or six times throughout that one day. Well, my mom would drop me off and I would sit and watch all the shows that day. And by the end of the day, I had memorized the whole script and I just knew all the punchlines and I, the, there was a, something about the timing of it. Yeah. Like I've always loved comedy, but I love how there's this, you know, that happens with Mr. Punch and the way that a joke can just get delivered and the puns and, and the way that he was able to, control but also have this wild audience at the same yeah. time like because the kids they're almost like going crazy at certain points in the punch and judy show you know he's behind you <laughs> like yeah. out the window the baby's out the window i mean the kids go nuts but at the same time they never he never lost control of the audience yeah. and i always thought gosh that's so cool and Um, but then again, I never thought to myself, I'm going to do that. I just loved it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I, I had that day and I saw Philip Hubert actually speaking about puppetry. I never had even really thought about other styles besides, um, the Muppets. Uh, when I thought like, oh, maybe I could be a puppeteer. I always thought, oh, the Muppets, because I hadn't really seen yeah. enough live puppetry to know what was out there. Yeah. And then going to UConn just, it exposed me in such a short amount of time to so many different styles. I mean, and I was really in over my head a little bit in terms of like, I was in grad school with all these amazing people who had already had very great careers, you know, in puppetry and had done so many things. And I'm like, well, I've never seen a shadow puppet show before. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> um, but you know what? I, I, I loved it. And I loved learning about all the forms. So when you say like a crush of puppetry, it like, it started as this little fire that then just like built as I learned more about the art form. And then I started to see really impactful work um, that wasn't, that wasn't on television, that was yeah. live. Uh, my first semester at UConn, they had an international a festival that was touring from Maine to Vermont to Yukon. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to see at least six or seven international works my first semester there. And some of them were just so powerful and so different. And I'd never seen puppetry like that. And also my first semester there was 
uh, when September 11th happened as well. So that was fall of 2001. And there was a a company called, um, now I cannot think of the name of them, but they're French. And they had a show that, um, I will look it up and send it to you for the show notes. Um, They had a show that just happened to be um, about planes crashing. Oh, yeah. And, And it was so... I mean, it was just so impactful and meaningful and it was object puppetry and I, I just had never, lapel de air or something like this. It was something like that. Um, okay. I will look it up. But it, I, I'd never seen object puppetry. I'd never seen so many of these forms. And then suddenly within the first three weeks of me being there, I was like thrust into helping yeah. with this international festival, seeing all of these amazing pieces. And then, you know, really starting to think about wow, this can be puppetry. Oh my gosh, this can be puppetry. And, um, and you know, since then I really made a commitment to myself that no matter what, I was always going to work in the art form in some capacity. Yes, it's amazing. It's kind of like discovering, like you said, uh, plenty of stuff. It's, it's never ending. And the school, because I, I always like to ask puppeteers, like, what do you think the best feel of study become a puppeteer do you have an opinion on on that like for you well it's it's interesting because i don't want anybody to think that you have to go to school for puppetry i just yeah. happened to go to school for puppetry right and i just ha- like a lot of a lot of great things all lined up for me all at once and i'm very very thankful for that because it it all led to me being in, in where i am now you know um and so when I look back, I wouldn't change a thing. I, when I auditioned, I really didn't think I was going to get it. And so I had a whole plan in my head of, uh, okay, so when they tell you no, um, you're going to move to Connecticut. So that way, a year from now, you could get the in-state tuition and you'll just apprentice or something. You'll find somebody who's doing something and then you'll just keep showing up there. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, I would say that if there's a style that really moves you, then, mm-hmm. you know, definitely try to find somebody who's accomplished in that style and see if they will take you under their wing. Um, I wish that um, more people who are into hand puppets would come and study with us. Come come learn, you know, hand puppetry or glove puppetry, as some people call it, because I, I find that that form is so versatile. And I would love to be teaching more people um, who would want to make their own traveling hand puppet shows. Um, I think that having a solid base in theater and uh, acting is very important if you're going to perform and if you just plan to build you should still understand uh, the tenets of performance because i think that a really good builder understands performing and a really good performer understands some building you don't have to be great at both but you should have a knowledge of it so Uh that you can have a dialogue with uh, the person who's helping you to make the work even better. Yes, that's totally a complete answer. I like that. And to open go door on, on puppetry. And do you have like your definition for a, a puppet? Like I know I didn't mention at the beginning, but Z is working at the Jim Henson Foundation. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know about like maybe your company or what you say at the foundation, but you have your own definition about what is a puppet and what is not? Or you talk a, a little bit about object theater, and but do you have your definition? 
Well, when we teach, um, I teach this professional development workshop, teaching puppetry to people, uh, mostly educators, counselors, and therapists, mm -hmm. how to use puppets with children, and especially children with special needs. And the definition that I use in those workshops is that a puppet um, is any inanimate object that is brought to life by the human hand. Mm -hmm. So to me, that means that anything can be a puppet as long as I believe in the story that I'm trying to tell. And I'm doing it in such a way that I've created a moment that you also believe as my audience. And then we're sharing in that moment. Wow, I like that. So simple and precise. It's amazing. And, and as I want to ask also, and if people have questions, just be free to put it on the chat there. Mm -hmm. And um, like, how is it to work for the Jim Henson Foundation? Like, do you, like, you must be proud or to be part of a, a leg? What do you have to say on this? Sure. Uh, I've been working for the Jim Henson Foundation for, I think, about 11 years. Yeah. Um, I'm the Jim Henson Foundation manager. Uh, I am the only employee. Uh, so it's when you call the foundation and somebody answers, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> when you send an email to the foundation, it's to me. Um, so sometimes people might get a little frustrated that it takes a couple days for us to write back. It's because when things are really busy, there's just one person to do the work. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, what's one of the things that's been really rewarding is getting to help all of the puppetry and uh, all the puppeteers in the country uh, apply for uh, grants and to know more about our yeah. granting process. And basically, I, I kind of want to say to help my friends because, um, you know, either you are my friend or you're going to be after you send in your application because I, you know, we have a kinship. I, I too am an artist and I get it. And, so, and there are aspects of the of writing grants that some people are really great at and some people really struggle with. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to help and to uh, cheer you on. I'm a cheerleader. I don't get a vote, but I get to try to help you be your best. So um, I'm always uh, trying to help out people. I offer, uh, when people ask for feedback, we have a phone call and talk about things. Um, I should mention um, our, my boss, Cheryl Henson. She's the president of the Jim Henson Foundation and has been the president for a long time. Um, I think since 1992, possibly, mm -hmm. but I'm not totally sure on that year. Okay. Um, but uh, she, uh, it's her foundation, really, and, and she runs it with the board of directors. Um, and she's uh, very generous and uh, gives so many uh, grants and support opportunities to puppeteers in the United States and also presenters in New York City every year. Yeah. That's so great to have this kind of grant and stuff to encourage and that you're so involved in that. I have a lot of admi admiration for this. It's kind of really a great like to give to others and just encourage the profession of puppeteer. It's amazing. And do you think like the puppetry art is in an ascension or it's getting less popular? What is your vision about the popularity or the the sexiness of it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's on an incline myself. Um, I see a lot more high profile works that come through on a more regular basis. Yeah. Um, in the last five or six years, we had Warhorse, we had King Kong, 
um, Cirque du Soleil is using mm. puppets. Um, maybe they aren't calling them puppets, but they're puppets. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of use of puppets that I see that, again, people aren't necessarily calling it out, but I, I know that they're puppets and other puppeteers know that they're puppets. Yeah. And I, I do think that there's more of an understanding of the art form in some ways than there had been in the past. Of course, still, you're, it's always going to be the way that if you're at a party and nobody knows what you do um, and you say you're a puppeteer, you're going to get stuck talking to somebody for a long time about it because they're like, oh, puppeteer, tell me about that. <laughs> so sometimes I just say I work in theater. I mean, really, because... <laughs> you don't always want to have the conversation where you rehash everything that you do. But I, you know, I do love it. And I, most of the time I'm happy to talk about it. I do think that more people at this point can say, at least in a city, like a city that has like a, a theater scene, you'll generally meet somebody who says, I know somebody who does that, or I know somebody who knows somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that it's become more mainstream in some ways. Of course, it's still fringe. It's not like uh, every theater program has a puppetry class, but wouldn't that be great? Um, yeah. You know, like, well, we're learning set design, we're learning lighting, we're learning puppetry. Like, I just feel like it's just another aspect of theater. Um, and then if you want to major in that, that that's an accepted uh, yeah. space for for focus in theater yes totally i agree totally and mm -hmm. it's true that if we we talk more about it and we make it more known it it will make his way and do you have like a big purpose i always want to conclude about the future like as a company or as mm -hmm. in your own career something you want to achieve well you know um <laughs> That's such a big question. Yeah, that, that's a moment where the, the interview just like... <laughs> well, no, because I really want to think about it because I think that it's evolved over yeah. time. When yeah. I first started, I really wanted to move to New York City and work for Jim Henson. And actually, if you look at my bio from Annie Get Your Gun in 12th grade, you can see from high school, I wrote... I'm going to move to New York City and work for Jim Henson. So I kind of did that. And I feel so, so thankful and proud that that got to happen. Um, and then another big goal was to work on Sesame Street. And I, I've gotten to do that. And that was amazing. I've, uh, I have a character named Dahlia, who is a, a foster monster, monster foster mom. And uh, that's been a wonderful experience to get to have that kind of opportunity. But yeah. I think in terms of when I think of our puppetry company and Wonderspark Puppets specifically, um, one of the things that I really want to make sure that I give to the art form while I'm here is um, really good puppetry, uh, like really excellent puppetry skills and a knowledge of, of the difference between like what is good puppetry and then what is somebody who is not trained in puppetry because there is a difference. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that it's like a highfalutin art and that only people who have been trained can be puppeteers. Oh. No, 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 that's <laughs> not what I mean at all. You know, I've been teaching these um, professional development workshops, like I mentioned, for the last four years. And part of the reason is because I was seeing a lot of educators and people who would never think of themselves as theater people using puppets. But when they would um, 
where they would give a presentation and talk about all the amazing work they'd been doing. And I was always so impressed and amazed by the kind of breakthroughs they'd been having with some of these special needs kids and um, the effectiveness and power of puppetry. And oftentimes at the end of their uh, presentations, they would put on the puppet and then I would see them perform the puppet and I would find that so many times their puppetry skills were not very strong. And I would always think to myself, how can you measure the effectiveness of the tool if it's not being used properly? You know, if it was a musical yeah. instrument like a guitar um, and you'd never played before and you just picked it up and started to strum, we would all know that it was out of tune, that that's not a chord, that wasn't the song that you're trying mm -hmm. to play. But with a puppet, a lot of times people just put it on and wiggle it really fast and in your face. And yeah. um, and then they're like, look, I did puppetry. And I, I just feel like, oh, if only I could just have give them to me for 30 minutes and I could just make them so much better. Yeah. Um, and so that's been one of my big goals is to further the message of excellence in puppetry and uh, what makes a puppet come to life and why. And, and really there's these basic basic skills that that once you learn about them, you start to notice it more and notice why it works. And they're also just basic tenets of theater as well. Yes, it's so amazing. I think it's it's part of the duty as you have the knowledge to just bring the quality. I, I just heard a, a conference this afternoon about that, like the quality level, because puppetry, if a puppeteer do a not a quite good job, the other one will pay for it. So yeah, quality is really important and I'm glad you named and mentioned that. We have people from India watching the podcast right now. <laughs> Hello, India. Yeah. So to conclude and maybe bring some puppets to the screen, could you uh, maybe like in, in your environment, you have like plenty of puppets, bring one to, to the screen to share a bit of your approach? Sure. Um, so I have the puppet that I use in our professional development workshops when it's not the fanciest puppet I've ever made, but I'm so proud of a lot of the work that um, this puppet and I have done together. And um, this is my training puppet that I use to teach everyone the basic skills of puppetry. And it's a uh, glove puppet, non-moving mouth, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. Um, <laughs> we talk a lot about focus, where the eyes are looking, right? If he's talking to you, he wouldn't be looking down here. He'd be looking at you, yeah. right? And then breath, how yeah. breath affects emotion. Because if we're breathing a certain way, then automatically a lot of people will know how we're feeling just based on how we're breathing. And yeah. then uh, again, focus and the the last three tenants, which is something I learned at UConn, uh, University of Connecticut is see, think, react. What is the puppet seeing? What does it make them think about? And then how are they reacting to that, right? Yes. So if you combine breath, which informs emotion with see, think, react, then you've brought something not only to life, but to a place that has a life outside of you because you have your thought process and then you're also creating a thought process for this character that is believable because of all of the, all of these different mechanics that you're applying. Yay. So we can't wait to have the workshop and that, uh, to come to see those little glove puppet to, to learn more. It's so amazing. I really see the expertise 
you really get to name like and also we get comment about like so much informative so much yeah you think about it, it you're it's it's so much it's, it's so right Oh no no not not too <laughs> not too brainy no it's motion and breathing. <laughs> one of the things that I'll have the teachers do because they'll say I'll the first one of the first exercises I do is I show them a quick little four minute um, piece uh, where the puppet um, discovers some blocks, decides to build a tower, finishes the tower, gets super excited, and then accidentally knocks the tower down, gets frustrated decides to rebuild, rebuilds carefully, then leaves it, double checks on it, and then walks away, right? Yeah. It, it's a four minute piece, very short, but no words. And then afterwards, I'll say to the teachers or whoever's taking my course, what emotions did you see? And then we'll write 20 different emotions up on the board. And then I'll say, but I didn't say anything. Yeah. And they'll say, yeah. And I, I'll say, well, did you understand everything that was happening the whole time? And they'll say, yeah. And I said, yes, that is because I knew how to use this puppet, right? Like yes. if you understand the basics of emotion and storytelling, then, then you don't need to have words. You can use words if you want to, but words come after you understand what it is that the puppet is mm -hmm. doing with its body. Right. One of the things that uh, a lot of beginners tend to do when they first put on a puppet like this without a moving mouth and they start to talk is they'll I'm sorry, I'm going to do this thing to you. OK, I know you don't like it. I know. All right. Um, <laughs> they do this. Hi, my name is Robert and I'm a puppet. Right. And they move the head with every single syllable. And yeah. it's this is not a moving mouth puppet. You don't need to do that. Right. You yeah. can just gesture and say, hi, my name's Robert. I'm really happy to be here. So exciting, <laughs> right? Like we can just add these little inflections yeah. and moments to to emphasize the words instead of every single syllable moving. Yes, <laughs> that's an amazing advice, and it, for sure, it's a, a lot of sensibility and some precision. I really <laughs> see how you're talented and your expertise. It's really amazing. Oh. <laughs> Everyone wants one at home. Just well, if you take my puppetry course, um, Making Connections Through Puppetry, you get to make your own puppet just like this. Um, everybody gets um, a felt puppet with eyes and a mouth, and then you can customize it with your own nose and some hair. Mm -hmm. And then I teach the basic tenets of how to bring a puppet to life. And mm -hmm. I've taught puppeteers who have not really learned about glove puppetry. And I've taught um, total non-puppeteers, non-theater people, uh, which is actually my favorite because a lot of times they leave having a completely new skill set that they didn't even know that they would like. And now they can take that back to their work, either their classroom or their office space to be able to use in a way to communicate with people. That's amazing. For sure, we will put your information below the podcast and maybe you will have some, some inflow of emails coming to, sure. to have more workshop it's amazing and and we have like yeah people say wow wow so cute the best <laughs> podcast yes oh. so, <laughs> you, well, you make a, a blast 
If I could just add one more thing to yeah. um, people who are learning this form specifically, one of the things that you always want to focus on are stops, right? Yeah. That if you are constantly moving with your puppet and never stop moving, then there's it becomes overwhelming for the viewer. You yeah. actually want to really be precise in your movement and decide when you're moving and when you're not moving. Um, and I know that sounds like a lot to be thinking about. After you do it for a little while, it tends to come very naturally. Um, and oftentimes he's looking at the camera right now because I'm trained to do that. But mm. I um, I teach people that when I'm talking or the person who's talking is speaking, that the puppet should be looking at that person. And then when the puppet's talking, I'm looking at the puppet so that I'm talking. I'm the main thing in charge. And, um, you know, you would know that because she's looking at me and now I'm talking and the puppet would look at me. Yes. Right. And so yes. we know where the focus should be based on who's looking at who. Yes, true. <laughs> it's kind of a a law that you just mentioned right there. Yeah. So everyone, you, you know that and apply it. That's the part of the job. That's part of it. Thank you so much. It was uh, a <laughs> teamwork. <laughs> we get the blast. I told here. you, I, that little puppet is like my favorite thing. <laughs> I, I've made some beautiful, beautiful puppets. I can share pictures with you, but if you ask me who my favorite puppet is, I love that puppet. <laughs> it's perfect. It's so perfect. We we understand your personality and how your work, how your stuff you do with special needs people. And it's amazing. If people want to know more about, about Wonder Spark, about Z, where they can find the info? Sure. So um, they could go to wondersparkpuppets.com. We have a lot of information there. Um, also, we'll be adding more information about the Making Connections Through Puppetry courses. But if you want to know more right now, uh, you could go to hensonfoundation.org and you'll see a link there that says PDW. That stands for Professional Development Workshops. And uh, you can click there and see some of the workshops we offered in the last year. Right now, we're in the process of transitioning to offering those online. And actually, yeah. next week, we're going to be doing two online workshops for teachers to complete their sessions. They're multiple part sessions that we offer about three months apart from each other so people can learn the skills, implement the skills, then come back, share with each other what they've learned, and then keep going with their learning process. Um, we also have a very active Facebook page since the um, pandemic started in uh, mid-March. Uh, we were based out of New York City, so everything got shut down basically mm. March 15th, 16th, we knew we weren't going to be doing anything for a really long time. So we started, um, we were, we pivoted as everybody says, this like <laughs> buzzword these days. Um, uh, we pivoted to uh, doing a lot more things online. I mean, we yeah. had always had a fairly active social media, but hadn't done any kind of live streaming content. Yeah. And starting March 17th, we have had uh, live stream of something every single day since so yes that's amazing know. yeah everyone have a look on this this facebook page it's amazing it's it's bubbling so it's good <laughs> content and it's really amazing thank you very much z and how your work will inspire a lot of people and yeah everyone you know how is it we share this podcast you share this interview and it's with attract more attention toward puppetry so everyone thank you thank you z oh, and thank you caroline yes we will see each other in the future i'm sure when everything will get back we, we will be able to 
to share more live stuff, but for now it's it's an amazing moment. Thank oui, you oui. so much. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Wee oui, wee! Oui. <laughs> so everyone have a good evening wherever. Maybe it's the morning, India people, but yeah, thank you to being there and see you, watch everything, Google it, and you will have a good time. Yay! Merci, au revoir! Zee bring, mesdames et messieurs! Bye bye! <laughs>